All right. Well, one of the shows that I used to love uh, watching growing up was a show called Boy Meets World. Any Boy Meets World fans in here? Yeah. All right. Love it. And I remember there's, I remember a lot about the show, but there's one scene particular that I remember very, very well. And it's this scene where Corey, the main character, he's up in his room and he's waiting for a call from Topanga. Now this was pre-iPhone day, so he wasn't on Instagram waiting for it to slide into his DMs or any of that stuff. Like he had to wait for a real physical phone call on this thing connected to a wall. I don't really know what it is. People tell me about it. But uh, so he comes down from his room he goes down to the kitchen, and his brother Eric is there. And he says, hey, Eric, uh, has anyone called me? Do I, have, have a, do I have any missed calls? And he says, oh, yeah, like an hour ago, Topanga called. I forgot to tell you. So Corey, who's been waiting all afternoon, he's like, come on, man. Like, I've been waiting all day for that call. Why didn't you tell me? And in that moment, Eric delivers one of the most iconic lines from Boy Meets World, and he says, life's tough, get a helmet. All right? He actually hits him on the head and says, life's tough, get a helmet. And that is a very true statement. Like, it's funny, but man, that statement is very accurate. That life is, in fact, very, very, very tough. You see that in the video we watched, and we all could attest to that. That life is very hard. And many times, we feel like we need to put on our helmet, buckle it up, put our heads down, and just get through without getting beat up too much, right? Life's hard. Get a helmet. And we see that in the book of Psalms, that when you look in the book of Psalms, many times what it is is people responding, real people like you and I, responding to difficult situations. And they're crying out to God in response, that life is hard. They're going through different things, and they're crying out to the Lord in response to that. And that's what we see in the Psalm that we're going to see this or look at this morning, chapter 6. But before we kind of dive into it, I want to make sure we get a chance to read it. And like we do every bonus Sunday, we're actually going to watch it on a video. So go ahead and let's look at Psalm 6 together. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me. All you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea, and the Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Evident from, you can hear that in the words that David wrote, you can hear that he is in a tough situation. That life is hard, and he is responding to that in this psalm. Now, we don't actually know what he was experiencing. Like some of the psalms he writes and other writers write, we kind of know some historical setting. This is one of those we don't. That we actually don't fully know what he was going through. And some people have speculated maybe it's because of some sin that he's committed. Maybe he's walking in sin, and the Lord is getting his attention with pain in his life to bring him to repentance. That could be the case. 
Some people said it's physical illness, that maybe uh, he's going through some physical suffering. He mentions that throughout the psalm. Maybe it's that. Some people say maybe his enemies are attacking him. He talks about his enemies are coming after him. They're going to flee. So maybe his enemies are coming after him. But the bottom line is this. We do know that David was a real person like you and I living in a very fallen world like we live in today. That he was a real broken, sinful man like you and I are, and he's living in a world that's broken and sinful. And because of that, life gets very, very hard. And many times it is very, very tough. And he is responding to that in this psalm. And many of us will go through those seasons. Maybe you're in one of those seasons right now where life is just hard. There's pain. There's suffering. If you're not in one of those seasons, you've probably been in one or you're going to be in one down the road, right? We all experience that. But sometimes we don't know how to respond. Sometimes when we get into one of those tough seasons, we just don't know what to do. Life is pushing us down. It's kicking us. We don't know how we should respond. And the good news is David does some things in this psalm that I think we can learn from. And so I want to give you three things that David does in the chapter we just read that I think we need to do as well when we go through difficult situations in life. And here's the first one, is that we need to be honest with God. We need to be honest with God. One of the things you'll see or you'll notice right from the get-go of this psalm is David is extremely honest with God. He is brutally honest. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't sugarcoat what he's feeling. He takes his emotions to the Lord and says, here's how I'm feeling, Lord. And he doesn't dress it up in spiritual language to make it sound good. He just lays it out. He is brutally honest with God. Listen to some of the things he said. He said, I am languishing. Right? That word languishing, that's a Hebrew word that can be used for the withering up of vegetation. So David's literally like, I am drying up. I am fading away. That's the way he feels. He says, my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. So he feels his pain and suffering to the core. You might have caught it. He said, I am weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. He's mourning. He's crying. He says, my eyes waste away. It grows weak. And so we can see from David's words that, man, he is in a tough spot. Life is hitting him hard, and he is expressing his emotions to God, and he is being very, very, very honest with those emotions. And many times when you and I go through difficult situations and life is hard, for some reason we think that we have to keep that from God. That if we are angry or if we're frustrated or if we're just mad or if we're just irritated, confused, I don't know, any emotion that you go through when life's hard, we feel like we have to keep that from God. We think, man, maybe God might be offended with me if I tell him how I really feel. Like, I'm angry. I don't like him right now. If I tell him that, he might get offended or he might get angry. Or what if he, like, scolds me or corrects me? And so we keep it from God. Or if we take it to him, we dress it up in some spiritual language so it sounds kind of Christian, right? Not, not too hard. But think about how foolish that is. Like, God knows how you're feeling before you tell him. If you're mad, if you're irritated, if you're overwhelmed with life, if life is hard, he's not shocked by that. And he's not shocked if you take those emotions to him and you're honest with him. He gets it. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And so you can take your emotions to him. He knows how you're feeling. And he also desires for you to bring those emotions to him. That he welcomes that in and says, hey, please tell me how you feel. Tell me what you're struggling with. Tell me how you're responding to life. I can take it. I want to hear from you. God wants that. So let me give you an illustration of how this kind of played out in my life in a way I saw it very vividly. So I'll show you a picture up here of my family. It's a recent photo. That's my two little kids, Zion, there trying to take a nap, doing his thing with his sister always in his face. But she's actually being sweet there. She's giving him a kiss. So uh, sometimes that happens. Um, But here's the thing. For us, when I look at that picture, like 
I, am, I love where God has brought our family. I love the kids that he's blessed us with. Uh, but we went through quite a journey uh, to get there. Um, and I lost it in first service, so I'll try not to cry too much now. But I want to tell you a little bit about our journey. So right after my wife and I, we started trying to have kids. And my wife, if you know her, some of you do, like she loves kids. She wanted like 15 of them. And I was terrified, like she wants tons of kids. All right, so we start trying to have kids. I'm like, holy crap, this is going to be nuts. So we start trying to have kids, all right? And soon after that, she got sick. And it started kind of as a stomach ache. We weren't sure what it was. Uh, went to the doctor, and they couldn't figure it out, but they thought something was off. So they ended up put, taking her to the ER, or we took her to the ER. Um, and after that, they admitted her for a little bit. And so she spent quite a few uh, days, weeks in the hospital fighting an infection. And it was a very serious infection, and they weren't sure what was going to happen. And she was in a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. There was a lot of you that sat with us uh, during those days. And... Uh, yeah, she sat in that hospital and was suffering and felt the pain. And, and eventually they said, hey, the infection's not going away. Uh, we're going to do surgery to try to get rid of it, try to take some uh, stuff out that's affected. And they told us the one thing that could happen uh, is you could lose your chance to have kids biologically. And that was hard. It was hard for me, but it was ten times harder for my wife who wanted kids so bad. And I knew that. And so she has the surgery. Um, came through fine, but they did get the infection taken care of. But, but one of the things that happened is, is she lost her chance. We lost our chance to have kids biologically. And so she came out of that surgery, not only recovering physically, but had a lot of emotional recovery as she wrestled through that. And for us, we knew adoption was something we wanted to do. We thought it was going to be later, but this was God's way of saying, nope, it's going to be now, and it's going to be a few times. And so we started that journey. But there was a season between recovering from the surgery, and when we started adoption, that my wife was in a rough spot. She was suffering. There was a lot of emotional stress on her. She was recovering from the surgery emotionally, physically, and then we got into adoption. And if you've been down that road, you know there are so many things you have to work through, finances, logistics, that stressful, and it was weighing on her. And she was in a season where I knew she was struggling. And I remember one day particularly, we were having a conversation might have been a little more than a conversation, maybe an argument, who knows, but it was heated, right? <laughs> so we're in this argument, right? Like we're trying to figure out life and I could see it. She was crying. The life was just pressing her and she was in a hard spot. And I remember in the middle of the conversation, she just screams out, I don't want to blanking do this anymore. Yes, fill in the blank, all right? I can't say it because I'm a pastor and I'm preaching a sermon, but uh, use your imagination. She drops right? Some four-letter words that we don't drop all the time in our conversations. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. Like, as her husband, I could have said, hey, honey, I know you're going through a rough time, but can you clean up your language a little bit? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have went well. Uh, or, you know, I could, have, I could have scolded her and said, hey, why are you talking like that? Like, calm down, right? No. What a jerk I would have been if I've done that. Because what she was doing in that moment, she was expressing her emotions. She was suffering. Life was kicking her around. She was overwhelmed, and she let it out. And for me, I needed to listen. And it was good for me to hear that because it allowed me to see into her suffering a little bit. And for us, it allowed us to process it even in a healthier way. And I tell you that story because it exemplifies what God does for us. That if you are angry with God, if you're angry at life, if you're frustrated, if you're going through pain and suffering, he wants you to bring that to him. 
He wants you to bring that emotion. He's not going to scold you. He's not going to be offended. He's not going to be angry with you. He actually wants you to do that. He says, bring it. I want to hear it. And that is what God wants us to do. He wants us to take our emotions to him, especially when life gets hard. So that's the first thing we see David doing that we can do as well. But there's a second thing. David also runs to God. And we can do that as well. We need to run to God. So David not only says, here's my emotions, Lord, I lay it all down. He also says, Lord, I lay it all down and I run to you knowing that you're the only one that can really help me. That in this situation, you're the only one that can give me relief, protection, and rescue. So I'm coming to you, Lord. And many times when life gets hard, we are going to run to something, right? Not many times, all the time. When life gets tough, you're going to run to something. You want relief, you want help, so you're going to run. But unfortunately, we don't always run to God. And let me give you some things we often run to instead of God. Maybe you can identify with this. The first one is relationships. Now, this is a tricky one because God has given us relationships with other people to help us, right? He's given us the church. He's given us other believers to walk through life with. That's a good thing. But we don't put our hope in those people. We don't put our hope in those relationships because those people and those relationships may fail us. But we do put our hope in God. But many times, instead, we run to a person, we run to a relationship and say, hey, I need help. And sometimes that's not the best place to go because God ultimately is the one that helps us. Sometimes, yes, through relationships. Maybe it's addictions, right? Many of us run to some addiction. Maybe it's porn, eating, drugs, alcohol, gambling. I don't know. The list can go on and on. But you run to some addiction for relief. And you think, man, life is so hard right now. I'm struggling. Life is kicking me down. I need to go somewhere. So you go to the bottle. You go to the computer. You go to your food. You go to something that you're addicted to. And for a moment, it gives you relief, but it doesn't really help you, does it? No. Maybe it's work, right? This is the one I see in my own life. Maybe you just become a workaholic, that life is hard, things are going crazy, you're going through a lot, and so you just think, I'm going to work my butt off, and I'm just going to distract myself for a little bit. So maybe it's work. Maybe it's religion, right? And you're thinking, well, we're in church. We're talking about running to God, but why religion? Because we need to run to a relationship with God. We need to run to an intimate, personal relationship with him. But sometimes, instead of that, we run to more of a religious thing. We run to some tradition or some religious ritual that we do to make us feel a little better. But at the end of the day, maybe you run to something that's not on this list, but you run to something. But if it's not God, it's not truly going to help you. Because ultimately, the only place, the only person we go to and that can actually give us the help we need through life is God. And that is where David ran, and that's where we need to run as well. Listen to what Psalms 121 says. We'll get to this in like 15,000 years. Who knows? Uh, He says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Your help doesn't come from religion. It doesn't come from relationships all the time. It doesn't come um, from, from work. It doesn't come from addictions. It comes from the Lord. He is the one that helps us. So David said, okay, I took my emotions to God. I laid it all out. We need to do the same. He runs to God for help. He knows he's the only one that can truly help. But David does one last thing that's important for us to see. He also trusted God. So we can trust God. And if you don't do this, the other two might not matter because you can take your emotions to him. You can run to him for help, but you got to trust that he's actually listening. You got to trust that he will respond. You got to put your trust in him. And David did that. And you might have caught it as we read it, but David had confidence in the Lord. He had this unwavering trust that the Lord heard his prayer and that the Lord was going to act. Listen to what he said. Let me remind you of this. 
Near the end, he said this, Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Right? You can hear the confidence in those words that he says, you know what? The Lord has heard my prayer. The Lord will act on my behalf. And this came before the Lord did anything. Right? At this point, the Lord didn't actually do anything, but David had confidence that the Lord would work on his behalf. And so when you and I go through those dark times of life, we must do the same. We don't just take our emotions to God. We don't just run to him for help, but we ultimately trust that he is going to help us, that he's going to stick to his promise, that he will be with us, he will not leave us, that he's going to help us through this life. But it's easy for me to say that. It's easy for me to say, hey, trust God. And if you're going through a dark time, I can look at you and say, hey, you need to trust God. That doesn't always work, does it? Right? That doesn't always really mean anything. It sounds good. It's a nice Christian little uh, phrase. But what exactly, when we say trust God, what are the things you're trusting in? Like when you're going through a dark time, let me be practical for a minute. Here's some things to trust God about, some things about him. The first is this. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. He is in complete control. And that means even the bad parts of your life, even the dark time that you're going through right now, he is in control. And you have to trust that. You may not understand why it's happening or how it's unfolding, but you can trust that he is sovereign and he will use even the bad parts of your life, the hard parts, to work out his purposes in your life. He is sovereign. He's also good. He's not out to get you. He's not out to harm you. He is a good God. He also loves us. Right? He is a God that loves us. He sent his son to display that. He gave his life because he loves us. So that means you might be going through a dark time right now and you feel isolated, you feel alone, like no one else is there with you. God is there with you. And he is lovingly holding your hand saying, I'm with you, child. I want to help you. And he also listens to us. Right? We're not just throwing up a prayer and hoping someone hears. No, he is stooping down from heaven, listening to our prayers, listening to us, share our emotions with him. No matter how raw that they are, he is listening. And then he's also, he will act. He will act. But let me give you a disclaimer. He may not act the way that you want him to. Right? Because sometimes what we do is we go through a hard time, we take it to God, and we say, God, here's my four-step process, here's the deadline, I need you to work right now, blah, blah, blah. And God's like, yeah, I don't work that way. And he doesn't, because God is so much bigger than us. He is so much wiser than us, smarter than us. He sees the, such a big picture that we don't even begin to see. So that means, yes, he will hear you and will act on your behalf, but the way he may respond and act might be totally different than you planned, and that's okay. Because that's where trust kicks in. That you trust that he is good, that you trust that he loves you, that you trust that he's going to act in the best way possible, even if you don't see it at the time. And so maybe these are some of the things that David thought about. Maybe there's other things. But when we say, hey, trust in God, you trust in his sovereignty, you trust in his goodness, you trust that he loves you, you trust that he listens, and you're going to trust that he's going to act. And we need to do that. When we go through hard times, you need to take those emotions to the Lord. If you're angry, if you're frustrated, if there's pain in your heart, don't hide that from God. He wants to hear. But know that he's the only one that can help. So when you take those emotions to him, you run to him for help. But then lastly, you've got to trust. You've got to trust that he is good, that he is listening, and that he will respond. And I want to give us a chance today as a church to express our trust in the Lord. I don't want to just say, hey, we need to trust God. I want to do that. I want us to respond with that. And so we're going to sing a song. We, we sing it around here quite a bit, so you know it. 
But in the, in the chorus, it says this, your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence, you have never failed me yet. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know if you're going through the darkest time of your life. And I want to give you a chance and I want to sing right beside you that we trust in God, that we trust that his promise still stands. We trust that his faithfulness is great. We trust that he is holding us in his hand. We trust that he has not failed us in the past and he's not going to fail us in the future. And so with that in mind, let's stand together and I'll pray and let's express that trust to the Lord as we sing. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are a God that we can trust. Lord, and no matter what we are going through, no matter how painful, no matter how dark it is, we can bring that to you. We can be honest with you, God. We can run to you for help, but ultimately we can lay down and trust that you are good, that you are sovereign, that you hear us, that you love us, and that you will act. God, give us trust in you. If we don't have trust in you right now, God, give us that trust. As we sing these words together, pray that it's more than just words on a screen, words come in our mouth. Pray it's our cry from our hearts that we trust you, but help us to trust you more. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.